0: Now, the show that bridges the gap between faith and business. Welcome to Bottom Line Faith.
1: On today's show, Chuck Weldon, principal at Weldon Field Development. I don't think any people appreciate the importance of uh, everybody's got authority somewhere in life. And if we don't teach it to our children initially, then they're going to rebel against authority in so many different ways at work or in the church or within their family. So these little small things. Uh, Who is it? Uh, Trace Atkins has a famous song called "And She Thinks We're Just Fishing." Well, he's investing in her and he's teaching her things while they're fishing. Hello, everyone. This
0: is Ray Hilbert, your host here at Bottom Line Faith, and we would like to welcome you back for another episode. If this is your first time as a listener to the Bottom Line Faith Program, welcome aboard. We think you're going to be encouraged, you're going to be uh, uh, challenged, you're going to be equipped as a follower of Christ in business and in the marketplace to live out your faith every day. And if you are a long-term listener, welcome back. We are so glad you have chosen to rejoin us here for the weekly Bottom Line Faith Program. Hey, listen, uh, check out all of our other interviews. You can uh, check those out at the BottomLineFaith.org website. That's BottomLineFaith.org. And if you are a Christ follower, a president, CEO, or business owner, and you're looking for community with other like-minded Christian business peers, visit our website at TruthAtWork.org. Truth At Work is the... Uh, host ministry for the bottom line faith program listen this is the program and the analogy we like to use we're going to lift the hood and we're gonna tinker around in the engine of leadership of Christianity in the marketplace and so we are excited that you've joined us today you know one of our uh, value promises one of our um, things that we like to offer here is a variety of Christ following business leaders And uh, we have had startup uh, business leaders, we've had CEOs of major corporations, we've had athletes, we've had entertainers, and so there's great diversity here. And so today, I am, and I've called this my kind of second home, my home away from home. I'm in Birmingham, Alabama. This is probably about my 10th trip to this beautiful city. We're not only in the Bible Belt, but I think we're in the shined buckle of the Bible Belt here you in sh- you Birmingham. You should
1: add the barbecue belt.
0: Barbecue belt. Okay. And that's a great introduction to today's guest is Chuck Weldon. And Chuck is one of the principals at the Weldon Field Development Company.
1: And Chuck, welcome to Bottom Line Faith. I'm glad to be here. Are, are we going to go for barbecue later? Is that what you're telling me? Well, I- I really hesitate to even take you anywhere unless I'm cooking it myself. Oh, okay. So, so you need to come back this fall. We cook a whole hog two or three times a year. Okay. Use our own hickory, everything.
0: You don't have to ask me twice. I'll be there. You just give me a date. Anytime <laughs>
1: between uh, November 1st and January 31st. <laughs> anytime. Yes, I'll, I'll do it anytime. <laughs> okay.
0: it's All right. Very good. So, so Chuck, uh, thanks for joining the program and – um you know, I, I learned uh, about you a number of months ago when I interviewed some friends in the Memphis area, and uh, it, it's just great. Uh, some of you have checked out those interviews with, um, with our friends in Memphis. And so, Chuck, just tell us a little bit about
1: your company, about your business. Tell us about how you came to Christ. Let's just get to know you a little bit. Sure. Uh, second generation uh, real estate development business. We do real estate development, management, uh, alternative investments, banking. It's a... Uh, my father, my uncle, and another gentleman named Pete Fields started about 40 years ago, and now there's four sons back. Uh, of course, one of the things we say is blood is thicker than water, but it boils faster. <laughs> so a lot of times you got to figure out when your father talks to you, is he, are he talking as your boss or your investor <laughs> or as your father? So that can be complicated at times. Uh, I went to the university. Uh, we're from Alabama. Uh, went to the University of Alabama. I know you're a Notre Dame fan, Ray. So I know that's hard to believe, but I actually became a Christian at Alabama. Through uh, Campus Crusade okay. for Christ. All right, all right. I know you would not think that could ever happen. It never sailed <laughs> <shall> out. <amount. laughs> but anyway, uh, somebody shared the four spiritual laws there in the fraternity. And uh, that is what led me to become a Christian. Uh, I had never gone to church with my family. I had gone to church in the summertime with my grandparents at Baptist churches, walked the owls a number of times emotionally, but never could describe what my faith was. Wow. So in college is when I became a Christian.
0: And so. Um... Did you have a—from that point on, do you believe you kind of walked faithfully, or have you had kind of ebbs and flows? Oh, there's been,
1: oh, there's been some times and some seasons of life. Yeah. Uh, I always tell people that because you're going to have some seasons of carnality or backsliding, yeah. you need to build bridges in your life. Because you never know what side of the bridge you're going to be on. You need to be on the bridge to help somebody. You need to be on the bridge side to get some help. So that's one of my big principles is you got to have bridges with other believers, uh, particularly men who can influence you that really you know can affect you.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. And so um, w- walk me through just a little bit more, uh, maybe some of the uh, challenges that you have as a Christ-following man
1: in business and
0: in the marketplace. W-
1: what are some of those challenges that you face on a regular basis? I'd say bouncing uh, faith, work, and uh, family is very tough. Uh, I'm in what I would call a variable time job. In other words, I'm not someone who's checking in on a clock. Uh, there, there's every real estate project we do, could be better and we make mistakes and so it, this there's unlimited amount of time you could allocate and so shutting that off and going home i did not do a very good job on that uh younger you know when i was in my career particularly uh, uh years ago still struggle with it but and that's something i think that is you know had some obviously some consequences in the family because it's just hard to turn it off because you can always do a better job you want to do a better job
0: yeah, so you know, one of the things we love to do here at Bottom Line Faith is we want to be an encouragement, right? right? We want to help that other believer in business in the marketplace. Maybe just one person take one step, yeah, right, moving forward. So, how, what would you say to encourage someone right now who just feels like maybe they're blowing it at home, or maybe they're not, you know, meeting all those things that God's calling them to do in their home life because their business life has kind of taken over? Any words sure. of encouragement? I- around absolutely.
1: That? A couple things. One is. I would not try to make drastic changes. Uh, I find that if you make drastic changes, it upsets the apple cart, and, and you put guilt on yourself. It's kind of like uh, alcoholism. You know, I guess they always tell those guys you're supposed to just say, "I'm not going to drink one day at a time." Well, I think likewise in this, you can't say, "I'm never going to do this again." I think you have to say, create some bumpers or guardrails. I think you get with somebody older. I mean, we're my wife and I are huge and seeking and giving seeking advice from older couples and giving advice to younger couples so i would get somebody who's had experiences similar to you and see what kind of guardrails and bumpers they set up to avoid this type of uh, outcome of not spending the time with your children wisely not spending time investing in your wife i mean basically nobody dies you know on the deathbed says i wish i'd spent less time my children or my wife yeah but i do hear people say all the time i wish i had prioritized my work differently So I think everybody's going to come to that conclusion at some point. It's just a matter of trying to set up uh, some guardrails initially. And I think, again, talking to uh, people who've already experienced it is really important.
0: So you you shared, you know, particularly early on, you you maybe were a little bit out of whack, a little bit. Uh, What were some of those adjustments that you made to kind of return back home with your wife, your kids? What, What were some things that you did?
1: Well, I created some rules about how many days I would travel. I mean, how many nights I'd be, I'd be gone because we do a lot of projects throughout the Southeast. So that was one thing. Secondly, we prioritize church, and there's almost no exception. I mean, I bet we only miss church twice a year. I mean, it's just on vacation we even prioritize it. We just think, and, and I don't, I'm not saying be legalistic, I'm just saying if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. That's and true. And so you've got to set some priorities and set some uh, goals. Uh, another thing is time with the children. I took each child on a on a missions trip by themselves for seven to ten days, and then we probably went on another ten or fifteen family missions trips in probably eight or ten countries around the world and so that time was a really good way to help our children you know uh, invest well, in them that,
0: that that that's incredible what What did those trips mean to your kids? How did that help shape their worldview and their value system?
1: <laughs> well, at supper last night, somebody asked me, How did you get your children to go to Uganda?' when they were 15, 13, and 12, I mean, what did they say? And my wife said to the my wife's answer was we never asked them. <laughs> so part of the deal is seeing that there's actually authority in their life, that they don't get a vote on everything. Just that by itself. You, I don't think any people appreciate the importance of, of, everybody's got authority somewhere in life. And if we don't teach it to our children initially, then they're going to rebel against authority in so many different ways at work or in the church, or within their family. So these little small things, uh, who is it? Uh, Trace Atkins has a famous song called, And She Thinks We're Just Fishing. Well, he's investing in her, and he's teaching her things while they're fishing. I think just decision-making about going on a mission trip, you're teaching them things they don't even realize you're teaching. And then uh, secondly, the whole uh, uh, mission trips allowed them to see the fact that people did not have what they had. Yeah, We're from a very affluent area here. And they need to realize that we're the exception. God has blessed us. But with that blessing comes a responsibility. And so and we need to look at how we can sacrifice to help other people. So you don't do that just by looking at a paper book or watching a movie. But when you're sitting with somebody in their house seeing a sick child in a mud house, and the child is sick because of emphysema, because of using cook cooking on uh, fire stoves, it just changes the way you look at life. So it's influenced my children tremendously.
0: Well, folks, we are speaking with Chuck Weldon, one of the principals at the Weldon Field Development Company, and we're in Birmingham, Alabama. And uh, you've had, um, obviously, a successful business. And so let, let, let's talk though a little bit about failure. Let's talk about some of the lessons learned along the way. Over the course of your – you've been in business how
1: long, Chuck? Well, the family's been in business since 1970s, yeah. and I came back in 1986. I went to law school at Alabama. Went to George Washington for my, excuse me, uh, University of Alabama for my finance degree in business. Then George Washington University for law school and New York University to get a master's in tax. So I came back to the family business. And right shortly after I got back, you had the RTC days, when the, the, the failure of the financial institutions in the late 80s and early 90s. We bought millions of dollars worth of failed loans and made money on all of them. So I thought I was a genius. I mean, I have a little bit of a, a pride a sinful nature anyway and this only added to that and then you know we had 10 more years of really good real estate and then came 2008 the great recession well i had kind of doubled down before the great recession i thought things were going so well our investors are asking to invest so i doubled our number of projects unwisely uh, against the advice of my father and, and he has mentioned that more than once <laughs> uh, but in the end uh, the great recession almost killed us financially um, it was horrible. Is somebody said to me, "Chuck, you weren't as smart as you thought you were. and You're not as dumb as you think you are today." And but I really felt dumb. So that was a huge lesson. Uh, it was. It, but what really came through that lesson for me was faithfulness, because it got to a point where there's nothing I could do. No, no matter how hard I worked, we could not have paid all the banks off mm-hmm. between our guarantees and the debt. It just it wasn't physically possible. And so the result was we had to trust God. And he orchestrated a series of events that looking, as I was looking in the rear, in the front, uh, uh, the windshield, the, I guess the front windshield, looked stupid. Like, God, this is not going to help my situation. But fast forward two years later, and looking in the rearview mirror, I realized God's plan for getting, getting us out of that pickle and actually bringing our company back stronger afterwards was unfathomable. There's a plan that I never even could have imagined that he did.
0: I love hearing these kind of stories. And so in the midst of that, Chuck, what did you learn about yourself and what did you learn about God in that trial?
1: Well, certainly that God is more faithful than I am. Mm -hmm. Uh, Secondly, that I really needed to uh, uh, check my pride. I think that part of the reason I was willing or wanting to double the size of our business was just thinking that we knew what we were doing. We were so good at it. And so I really just needed to think about humility. Uh, and, I, and I talked to Pat Robertson one time. We do business with Pat Robertson, a regent. And I asked him one time, I said, what's the most important character of any Christian? He said humility. And that's something I I'm, I'm learned that I need to know, know more of, need to have more of
0: we were joking uh recently with a guy we were talking who wrote a book on humility and i said how long would you like to talk about your humility we just thought that was funny that's well joke. you
1: unfortunately <laughs> unfortunately the book what i would say is do you i have a book called the ten most humble men in the world and how i chose the other nine
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic on bookstores soon uh, yes at, absolutely at, uh, book, at amazon yes right right, of course <laughs> drones drones are bringing this already <laughs> that's that is fantastic well you know um So you've talked a little bit about failures, lessons learned, what God taught you about yourself, what he revealed about his character to you as well. What's been maybe the best advice? Uh, You were talking about your conversation with Pat Robertson a moment ago, but what would you say as you reflect back now, you you know, fourth decade in business, what's the best advice you can recall being given? Who gave it to you and how does it impact you today?
1: I'm not sure who gave it to me, but uh, early on, marrying a godly woman just became evident to me is one of the most important ingredients of success because that happiness and that being on the same page it affects your family it affects your children it affects your work it affects your spiritual life I, I just think that that's probably the when I talk to young couples uh, or businessmen that come to me and the problem is people think you're succe- people always think you're more successful than you are they think your marriage is better than it is and think your children are better than they are and so then people come talk to you, thinking they're gonna get all these pearls of wisdom. So I've really, I probably talk to, I don't know, 50, 60 young people a year that will come to me to talk. Mm-hmm. And the advice I always give them is the marriage. And I think that's the most important thing that they have to pick one area to choose well and one area to invest well. It's the marriage.
0: Okay, so let's go there. You know, uh, we don't mind taking little little detours no. once in a while. So let's let's say that I'm a list. I'm listening to the program. I'm a a young man or perhaps a young woman and I'm single, but maybe God's brought somebody into my life and I'm wondering, is this the person for me? Is this the person God has for me? What are those traits? What are those characteristics that I should be looking for that would help me understand this is a wise choice in a mate?
1: That's a great question. I think there's a couple uh, attributes I'd look for. One is someone who, who really will put herself second. I, I hate to say it, but it, the, being the mother and a, and a wife is probably the most difficult task in the world. And to and the ones that I've seen that do the best really come along their husband and put themselves second. I don't mean inferiority. I just mean the sense of they can recognize that their role is different and they really support his role. And that's just an important thing. Uh, second thing, I, and I don't know if this is an A, a PG-rated audience or whatever, but I think intimacy the marriage intimacy is huge we take a teach a class a 13-week class on marriage and parenting and sex and it's surprising to me how many men and women do not have healthy sexual relationships and that causes the man to wander i'm not defending the man's that's sin still but sexual intimacy and and i think to i mean to, to talk about the number of children you want to have talk about how much time you expect your husband to be there I mean, there's just, these are questions you really got to talk about ahead of time. I'm, I'm big in, I'm big into pre-marriage counseling, or I'm actually big into pre-engagement counseling. Nobody takes the ring off. I mean, the, nobody <laughs> wants to take that ring off and give it up. And so you got to do pre-engagement counseling and you should cover uh, all these things and that.
0: What I'm hearing, and, and I've heard this now, uh, in, in several aspects of our conversation, and, and you talk, we talked about this before we went on the air, a big word for you is intentionality. And yeah. everything that I'm hearing you describe right now is being quite intentional on the forefront of bringing these conversations, having a plan, being very candid about these things. Would you speak to the importance of intentionality
1: in life, in business, in marriage? I, I think it's one of the most important principles of your life because you can aim at nothing and hit it every time. If you're not intentional, then you'll be like the Jews wandering the wilderness for 40 years. Uh, we, By being intentional, I tell my children all the time, if you take 10 minutes every day, you could change that whole day. You could reprioritize it. You could decide where the intersections are that are going to occur, that you need to do something differently, as, as opposed to just letting it come up on you as a surprise. So I, I think intentionality, sitting down and, and looking at your time, treasure, and talent I think it's as simple as this. What are, where am I skilled? Where are my time, treasure, and talents? In other words, everybody has the same amount of time, but we all have different treasures. We have different talents. And if I'm not intentional in doing a, uh, an inventory of those, then I will try to take on tasks I'm not prepared for and not qualified for. And so that's an example of intentionality is, is really doing a good inventory of who you are, where you are, what your skills are. And figure out how that intersects with God's plans.
0: I really love that. One one of the ways um, I was actually speaking to a group of of, of men recently, and and I think that um, in in this seminar I was doing it, we were talking about what what does a successful day look like? What does a successful life look right. life look like? And it it seems like too often we determine whether or not we had a successful day based on what happened to us. You know, did I get that deal? Uh, did I get along with people? Uh, did my wife and I get in an argument or not? You know, th- these are just you know, anecdotal examples, sure. but we too often, I think, determine whether or not we had a successful day based on what happened to us. What I hear you saying is a successful day is what happens through us. Absolutely. Waking up, asking God, okay, God, what needs to happen today? Yep. How can I take my gifts and talents and treasures and put a plan in place to maximize them? That's what I hear you saying. That's exactly
1: right. Bill Job, uh, who's one of my heroes in the faith, and uh, huge businesses, mission leader uh, based in China for 30, 40 years. He told me one time at a meeting, he goes, Chuck, I think we're accountable a lot for our resources and money and time. He goes, But I think one of the things that we never talk about being accountable for is relationships. Every time you have an intersection with somebody, it, is, it may be unique to that person to have your type of Christian thought and, and knowledge in that person's life. And I just thought that, that has convicted me, whether I'm sitting on an airplane. Whether I'm uh, saying prayer with, uh, I mean, we'll say prayer at supper, even with atheists or Jewish partners. And they usually don't get offended, but it leads to conversation. But that took intentionality and took the willingness to take that risk to do that. But we've had, I've had 50 chances to share my faith with non believers just because I prayed in front of them. And it shocked them, but if you're nice and you're polite, you can get away with it.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and so, okay, so you, I'm hearing a couple things I want to just kind of follow up on. You, you used a phrase a moment ago, business's mission. Yeah. Um, for, for our audience who might be listening that that's never heard that phrase before, or maybe they've heard that phrase, but they don't know what it means, would you add some context and wh- what do you mean
1: by that? Tell us more about yeah. that. Well, certainly, if you just think of any, and of course, most of your audience are business owners. As you say, they are the ones who are on the front side of the check, not the back side of the yeah, signature. Right. So, uh, I think just as business owners, we should take our business and run it in a way that has a holistic impact on everybody we come in contact with. I mean, basically, our spheres of influence as a business owner is our employees, our investors, our customers, our competitors, the government officials, suppliers, vendors. Everybody's. We have lots of spheres of influence that a somebody at the church may never have a chance to intersect with or have a contact with. Well, that's great, and we need to do that, just like the, the, the Interstate Battery and Chick-fil-A and all those great companies do. But there's another side of it is, how about going overseas? There's international businesses required, and there's, I, there's issues of access in Muslim countries or Hindu countries for missionaries. You take a business over there, and it's called Business Mission. The idea is that I use my company in the spheres of influence to have holistic transformation in everybody i come in contact with well think about it. the business is sustainable if i'm making a profit and just costs me a little bit extra overhead to be intentional to have impact on those people then i'm leveraging business and i'm using those bridges and relationships that no one else may have because somebody watches me how i treat my employees how I let's in, in, in India I'll give you an example. One of our places we invested was a business, is Mission India. If somebody gets hurt in India, you just fire them because there's another billion of them there. <laughs> I mean, being yeah. kind of sarcastic, but, no, yeah. but Tom Sudik in his company, get had a guy that broke his neck, he gave him months off. He came back and said, I still have a job. I can't believe it. Nobody's ever done that to me. I've never even seen anybody do that. That guy becomes a Christian because of HR management. That was the most boring class at Alabama, human resource management. But it actually has an impact if done correctly. So that's what business's mission is, using your spheres of influence, have access to countries you may not have access, and sustainability. You don't have to keep giving money away every year. I'm for missionaries. I'm for the churches. But this is using your business as well.
0: So uh, that, that is really exciting to me to, to, for us to have that conversation. And so I've heard a few things that you've talked about that are unique To us as Christ-following in business, you talked about being intentional in praying with unbelievers, agnostics, atheists, and so forth. So that's a discipline or a practice that you have instilled, right? And it's given you that mission field platform. Yes. You've talked about HR policies and maybe just going the extra mile to invest in your employees. So that's a practical way to to set ourselves apart from the world's ways. Yes. Right. What other models, whatever practices or disciplines have you either uh, instituted in your company or you've seen instituted that is great examples of doing business as mission or propagating the gospel through business? Sure. What comes to mind?
1: Well, rightnow.org has a huge uh, library of videos and audio uh, cassettes or uh, uh, I guess videos really that that you can as a company join. I don't know if you've heard of Right Now. Right I Now mean, Media. Yep. Right Now Media. So yep. yeah. they uh, we use that for our company. Yeah. We, we started that for our company last year. It gives access to Christian content on a variety of issues, marriage, parenting, drug addiction, just all those issues that as parents we struggle. And also has really good family entertainment with a Christian message for the kids. So that's something we've done at our company. Another thing is co-tribute. I don't know if you uh, Alan Barnhart, who you interviewed in Memphis, has done that, and I think Tom has. And we're 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 aiming toward it. You set up a fund, and you let your your workers do a certain number of volunteer hours a month. You pay them for it, but they don't get the money. It goes into like a a charitable fund that they can give away, or they can pull together as part of the company to impact your location or the community of your company. And all of a sudden, they're together doing something together. It builds a uh, Uh, A Christian ethos Mm -hmm. within the company, and it has an impact on the community. So um, there's probably eight or ten different things like that that we do.
0: And you call that co tribute? Yes, it's called co tribute. I love.
1: I'm talking with Chuck
0: Weldon, principal, one of the principals at Weldon Field Development Company. And uh, Chuck, let me ask you this: Uh, If someone wanted to learn more about you or the company, uh, what's the best way for them to to find you?
1: Uh, Are you on the web? I I think so. (laughs) 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 Hey, you have to remember, I don't text. Okay. I don't ATM. I don't Facebook.
0: You do, you do have a LinkedIn profile. How about no, that? No, I don't have a LinkedIn
1: profile. Well, it's on there. You just don't have a photo. <laughs> who, who put that up there? Uh, just call Chuckwell and call my office two zero five nine three zero forty five hundred. I call. I return every call. I love it. It's that simple. Don't text me. <laughs> I love it. That's old school, baby, right there. That is great.
0: Well, you know, we talked about. Um, before we went on the air, there's one question that we ask uh, at the end, and believe it or not, we're at the end of our 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 time together on this interview. Uh, we ask every guest here at Bottom Line Faith. And it's what we call our 4:23 question. It's based out of Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, the words of Solomon, who said, "Guard your heart above all else. Guard your heart, for from it flows the wellspring of life." This was Solomon's top of the line. Uh, pay attention to this if you don't remember anything else advice he said above all else guard your heart so chuck let's kind of fast forward the clock and you're towards the tail end of your time this side of eternity you have a chance to gather your family your friends your loved ones those who are most precious to you and you now have a chance to pass along the single most important piece of advice above all else what would you say
1: that's a great question. I always tell my children, uh, live life backwards. When you're in your deathbed, what do you want people to be saying about you? Uh, and on your funeral, what do you want the people to say up front? By the way, my invitation, my, my funeral is by invitation only, and there will be barbecue served. So uh, if you send me your email, I'll invite so you. So that wedding. means it's yeah. going to be between November and January. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be cooking that barbecue. Uh, I would tell you what – One lesson I've really learned that I think applies in almost all these areas that we've talked about is the distinction between an abundance mentality and a limited resource mentality. You know, Psalm 50 says God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Well, that sounds so simple. Yeah, sure, I, I trust that. But think about how it plays out. If you really believe that, then you trust that God will provide you the resources to accomplish anything He's assigned you to, so you quit worrying about things. You also approach things as being open-handed. As Martin Luther said, uh, I've held many things in my hands, and I've lost them all. But whatever I've placed in God's hands, that I still possess. So from that principle, you trust God, you're open-handed, which means you're open-handed in giving advice, investing in others, investing in young people who may be your competitor one day. But if they're a Christian competitor, they're advancing the kingdom, and I don't believe that it's a net sum. I mean, it's a it's an abundance mentality, and also provides generosity and giving. All of a sudden, your approach of giving and what you have to have and to keep to make yourself comfortable the rest of your life until you think you're going to die, which you don't even know when you're going to die anyway, kind of like that fat guy in the in the Bible who builds two more warehouses for his goods and then dies mm-hmm. the next day. Mm-hmm. I just think that principle that principle. It plays into your marriage, into work, into your children, into generosity into investing in others almost more than any principle in the Bible, because I trust God to provide what I need all the time. It's Phenomenal.
0: That is some of the most excellent and Christ-centered, biblically worldview-based, that, that's one of the best answers I've ever heard. Well, I didn't say I did. Uh, you I said just, It's advice. It's advice. <laughs> <laughs> but something tells me you're. I'm you're, working on it. I'm working on it. You have intentionality yeah. in living and in and in, in, in conducting life in that fashion. Wow, I, I can't. You know. As I said, it's fastest thirty minutes on air. Has this
1: gone fast for you? It has for me. Well, just come back and go deer hunting. You you won't believe the advice you'll get and how much <laughs> wisdom in a weekend of deer hunting with me would be. <laughs>
0: all right, and I'd, food
1: gain ten pounds. I know one thing: we won't
0: be texting. No. So, uh, well, folks, um, what a pleasure it has been. Chuck, thanks for being on the program oh, today. It's been a pleasure. It, this was uh, so much fun, and I, and I, I wish y'all had the uh, privilege of sitting across the desk as I do from Chuck. Just a an incredibly warm smile and just a twinkle in his eye. You can tell this man loves Jesus and enjoys life and is is giving back in in every way possible. It's an honor that I get to interview leaders like Chuck in in the program here at Bottom Line Faith. Again, this is Ray Hilbert. God bless. Thank you for listening to Bottom Line Faith. We'll see you soon. Bottom Line
1: Faith is brought to you by Truth at Work. If you'd like to hear about new episodes or listen to past episodes, visit us online at bottomlinefaith.org. You can also subscribe to the show through Google Play and iTunes.